the long intro. Mm. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Shea Station in the main studio today. I am talking Jake. Sitting across from me is Trevor Plouffe, and this is an episode of talking baseball, just kidding. <laughs> Jerry's in New York. Yay! Did some BNNY, did some SNY pre and post. Jerry, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. It's a a solid day here in New York City. Um, sun is shining. It's a tough weekend of weather because of all the rain. Uh, trapped inside with my two little kids that just want to run around. It's it's a little bit of a tough, you know, cold weather, rainy weekend, and for baseball as well. For baseball as well, my basement did flood this weekend, so I was playing. Uh, I am sorry to hear that. Now yeah. my complaints feel, you know, ticky-tack. We saved all the electronics. You know? <laughs> I was out good. there with a bucket at one point. Uh, it was tough, but it was good. It was a good weekend otherwise. Um, the Mets had a weird series with the Atlanta Braves. They played five innings in the first game, then sat out the weekend, and then played a doubleheader. We will get into that series, but as you know, Jerry because you look at calendars all the time, it's the end of the first month. And that means we have to do something a little special. We're going to give the State of the Union on the New York Mets. Because people need to hear from the fearless leader of Mets media, <laughs> Jerry Blevins. Oh, I love it. Hear ye, hear ye. Uh, I just want to do this because it's 16 and 13, the mm. New York Mets, after the first month of the season, tied for second place with the Marlins, Atlanta looking up at the top, but it feels way better than that to me. Mm. You know why? Because the Mets have been without their starting pitchers, the top two for basically all of April, and they're still within striking distance, and... They look pretty good. The rotation has been easily the most high-anxiety down portion of the Mets, and they're about to get the reinforcements they need. Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer are set to make their debuts on this road trip in Detroit. Their old stomping grounds, a little serendipitous for that. But I think overall, you've got great things happening. You've got the return of the top two, which is everything that this team was built upon to contend this year. You also have Daniel Vogelback, who has looked very, very good as of late. You're getting some of that that power production, getting on base. Um, you have Brett Beatty, who looks like the truth. He looks like him. Uh, he's been great since spring training. He's stepped up and been that guy. He looks even better defensively than they said. And also, I believe Francisco Alvarez is coming out of his shell. Mm. It's a little bit of a slower build, but behind the plate, which was the biggest question mark for him, he looks fantastic. He's smart. He's thinking about it. I feel like that has been his his place of solitude. He just says, I'm going to go behind the dish, not take my at-bats with me, and I'm going to catch. And he, he has looked really well. And the guys uh, like to throw to him. On top of that, I believe he's starting to figure some things out at mm -hmm. the dish. He's starting to hit. He's starting to take pitches. He's starting to drive the ball. Uh, so, it, again, this might not be immediate for this month. But it's trending upward. And you can see that, that there's a Mets for the future on top of currently contending for this year's World Series. If there were soldiers listening on with their guns, they would have all fired off right there at the end. <laughs> if we were going to, like, if I were here to fire up the troops, mm -hmm. I would have taken a little bit of a different aspect. Sure. Give me give me September, mm. I might fire those troops up. But it's right April. now, exactly. You don't want to get too excited here. Yes. We're at now into May, and uh, I like what I'm seeing from the Mets, and I think it's only going to get better from here. I love everything you said, and a lot of people might not like it, and that's okay, because, you know, a lot of people hit panic buttons, and, you know, there are things to panic about with the 2023 Mets right now, but a very encouraging series on the horizon where hopefully we see both Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer in their old stomping grounds. Uh, before we can talk about that, we got to talk about the series played with Atlanta this past weekend, which I will tell you all about right after I tell you about the first sponsor for today's episode, which is DraftKings. Guys, DraftKings has been with us, it seems like, forever. And they got great deals 
all the time. And right now, if you're a new customer and you download their free and easy to use app, you can use code Shay, bet $5 on any pregame money line bet and win $150 in bonus bets instantly. Step it up with some same game parlays. Bet on Francisco Alvarez and Brett Beatty to get a hit because it's probably going to cash because they're red hot. Maybe Justin Verlander strikeouts. Who knows? Innings pitched. I would bet on five probably because, you know, it's his first start back. But download their app now. Take advantage of this offer because why not? You could cash in some big bucks and maybe sign your own $43 million contract in the near future. $5 uh, on any pregame money line bet. Get $150 in bonus bets instantly only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with code SHEA. Jerry, you ready to dive in? I am ready. Jack, hit that music. It was a weird one. You know, it was just kind of a weird one. It started on Friday. The Braves came to town. It was gray. It was overcast. I had tickets to the game, and I did not go because the Mets lost this one 4 to nothing. Max Freed on the bump. Big, bad, underrated by Jerry Blevins. Max Freed. Twirls five shutout innings. On the other side, David Peterson looked great through four innings, ran into a hitch in the road in that fifth because Matt Olson hit an absolute moonshot three-run home run. And that was kind of it in this one. The tarp came out after the fifth inning. They got the game in. I know a lot of people complained, but if the Mets had won this one in five innings, I kind of would have been like, oh, cool, I'm down. I'm sick. <laughs> Instead, it doesn't go our way. Beatty and Alvarez go two for four. The rest of the lineup goes one for 14. They lose game one. Game two, a doubleheader on Monday after rain-filled days on the weekend. The Braves pounce on spot starter Denny Reyes. Poor guy. Three-run homer to Sean Murphy. Two-run homer to old friend, now nemesis Kevin Pillar. And Acuna hits one to Mars, to Mercury, into the stratosphere for a solo shot off John Curtis. It's 6-1 to one Braves. But the Mets get back into it because they kind of hit Spencer Strider well. That's always kind of been their thing. Pete Alonso cashes in a three-run homer. Spencer Strider has an ERA above five against the Mets in his career. How about that? You seem to love that. I, kind of, I like Spencer <laughs> Schreider, too, as a guy. Uh, Steven Nagosik, best stash in the game. He is back. He tosses two and a third shutout innings with one hit in his return. Helps out the bullpen big time. And Brett Baby, the baby kid, <laughs> hits the second home run of the year. A nice shot off a lefty like that. It's a 6-5 to five game. The Mets are back in it. Until Sean Murphy hits another three-run homer off Jeff Brigham. That was tough. The Oakland A's just gave him to the Atlanta Braves. That's tough. Uh, nine six game there. The Mets get a couple back though. Uh, kind of a dirty slide. I guess we'll talk about it. Who knows? Jeff McNeil slides into Vaughn Grissom and allows that throw to tail away after Dan Vogelback put it in play. It's nine to seven. The Mets had first and second with one out. Famine Canna can't come through. Nick Anderson for the Braves looked amazing in that eighth inning. Eduardo Escobar with two outs in the ninth. Tags A.J. Minter for a solo home run. It was his only app out of the series. It's a 9-8 game, but the Mets would fall short in this one. But they come back in Game 3 looking to salvage the series. They get their first lead of the series with the Vogie RBI double. We got to talk about Vogie because he had a great series and a great month. Uh, the Mets were phasing off against Charlie Morton, who they hit well, and Tyler McGill on the other side. Four scoreless innings. He faced the minimum through the first four innings until the sixth. He surrenders two hits and a walk, gets two flyouts, and Eddie Rosario tags him for that bases clearing double. The Mets go down three to two, and Tyler McGill exits with a line that probably wasn't as good as he pitched. But later on, Francisco Alvarez comes up big with probably the biggest hit of his career so far a go ahead two run double against the Braves. McNeil pops some insurance to make it a five to three game, and Drew Smith and David Robertson take over the show with three and a third scoreless innings of relief. A win and a save for those two. David Robertson with a .68 ERA in April. How about that? The Mets salvage the final game. They win one of three here. It was a weird series, but you leave it uh, with a 16 and 13 record. It's not all that bad. Not all that bad. Nice recap. Thanks, pal. Weird series. Weird. 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 So, uh, little David Peterson off the top, game one. He looks great. It looks great. Uh, by the way, you said that uh, Max Fried is underrated, according to me. Yeah. Uh, or you, you made it, you insinuated that I don't appreciate Did him. Did I put what? false words in <laughs> I think he is <laughs> underrated, not that he's underrated by me. You need to rate him even higher. He's he's labeled underrated by me, not underrated. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> just wanted to put that out there because he looked elite. Uh, David Peterson matched him for those yeah. first four. He looked great. He looked vintage David Peterson, if there is such a thing for such a young player. And then he started missing the spots a little bit yeah. in the fifth. And he didn't. It wasn't even that bad, but you did it in big spots. He had a huge, um, a huge strikeout or a huge out to get to two outs with runners in scoring position. Comes to the top of the order, faces Acuna, 
First pitch, tried to go up and in, missed middle. Mm. And Acuna knocks it in uh, into right for a, for a, a game-tying single. And then the very next pitch, he hung a slider that Matt Olson hit. This is the first time I've ever seen that. He hit one so far that StatCast got it wrong, yeah. and then they corrected it. It was like, it's way bigger than that. Yeah. They're like, ah, let's check our math on that. Because I think their first one was like 430. Yeah. It said 431. I'm like, that is not 431. Yeah. It was like 460 Anything something. that gets to Shea Bridge can't be under 450. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, and so he crushed it. And it was basically, he started missing his spots earlier, which got him into trouble, mm. but he looked great leading up to that point. If he had been pitching like that all along, his his numbers would be better, but the feeling around him would be better, and he wouldn't have got optioned down. Yeah. But, again, a, a very positive set. And then, you know, it was one inning, and it was a weird loss, and you're like, all right, well, they got us in that one loss. But outside of that... Uh, that was game one. Yeah, game one was just a weird one. Also, uh, the reason I said I mean, he might be underrated by you, I do have Max Fried higher on my top 10 NLEs pitchers list that we made. Oh, uh, well. So I'm in at fourth, Jerry. Who Wait. who do I have ahead of him? Yeah, Alcantara, Verlander, Scherzer ahead of Max Fried. Still do. Still do. I still do. Stand by it. I appreciate yeah. that. I respect that. But I do think that he is the most underrated starting pitcher in baseball simply because he's been good for – a while now, and he doesn't have the strikeout numbers that people love, although they might be coming. That changeup yeah. looks like a weapon. Yeah. Um, he just He's just so good, and people kind of don't talk about him as that ace, which I think he is. Yeah, and I mean, those first four innings, you know, him and Petey were going toe-to-toe. Take I this. Mean, Who would you rather have, him or Spencer Strider? Right now? Right now. Right where they are in their careers. Yes. Strider. No, for this year. Even. Oh, for this year? Yeah. Strider. I'm taking Max Fried. Lefties. Yeah. Well, that, that, and I just feel more secure about his sustainability. Give me one game. I might take Spencer Strider because that's an interesting question. I, maybe. Yeah. Cause if he's, if he's swinging miss stuff, but I, I think Max Fried is better right now than Spencer Strider. Upside. Is this a Braves pod? <laughs> Upside. Ah, no, what are we doing? Let's pass. <laughs> anyway. So then uh, I wanted to say something about Nagosik returning. Yeah. He looked great after that, that uh, comebacker that got him. Yeah. Nice to see that he's in vintage form because he looks like a, a really good piece for that bullpen. He's pitched well all season. Anytime you get hit, let alone in your pitching arm, and you go on the IL, you're a little bit worried coming back, and he looked great. So that was a nice sign. Yeah, I mean, you can only ride the wave of, you know, your Jeff Brigham's, your Jimmy Yacobonis. Like, those guys have stuff, and they have been good, but you can only ride that wave so long. You need someone that can give you two solid like Nagosik and also Tommy Hunter, two perfect innings yep. in uh, his appearance in that last game as well. So the bullpen, you know, they got the job done for the most part this series. The nine to eight game was tough, but it's a bullpen game. You're going to give some up fight. Showed some fight. They which came was back really good. yet another chance. It, it just shows you the kind of, you know, they're not going to just pack this in, especially against a division rival. Give up a five spot right at the top. Two big home runs. Feels yeah. like momentum. You, it would have been so easy with crappy weather to just be like, all right, we lost this one. But they fought back, almost won it, had a chance. That's all you can ask for. And I saw some people saying, you know, maybe Budo should have got the start over Danny Reyes. I think it's kind of a rock in a hard place. Like, you kind of need to try one or the other because Budo, we haven't seen him face a lineup like the Braves. He walks a lot of guys. I'm sure they would have pounced on him too. The Mets kind of had two unfortunate scenarios I think there. they made the right choice. Try to go with an opener, yeah. you know, get a zero on the board real quick, maybe two. Uh, it just didn't work out. Yeah, definitely. But I was really encouraged by what we saw from the offense the last two games, especially that second game. Uh, saw some pop, which is good, especially out of Beatty, which we love. Vogelback had a great series, and I think the Vogelback discourse among Mets fans is very, very interesting, and we'll dive into that. Uh, one last pitching thing I want to talk about. Tyler McGill looked great through five he did and then really just couldn't figure it out that sixth inning kind of broke my heart but he looked really really confident up there he had the hit by pitch in the first inning got the double play right after he faced the minimum through four uh fastball looked good and i mean at the end of april he makes six starts his era is at four i think we call that an okay month all things considered i think it's a, a very good month it didn't look as good in the first few starts, he had so much traffic, a lot of walks, a lot of hits, yeah. and he was like getting himself out of damage. This last start, much like Peterson, he looked great. He he pitched around a very difficult lineup and, and looked in control. Um, 
Do you want to talk about the hit by pitch at all of Acuna? I don't think it was intentional. I don't think so either. But I understand the sentiment of Braves fans after Acuna comes out, has a great game two, hits the farthest home run at City Field this year, and then gets hit in the first at-bat. I get that. Yeah. I get what it looks like. I agree. And also, uh, the Mets were hit three times already in a, in a short outing. Sure. Um, but you got to stand up a guy like yeah. that. It was 0-2. He was trying to come in. I If he was trying to hit him on purpose, he almost got it too high or he did get it too high if that was on purpose but I don't I don't mind it I don't think it was on purpose but so what hit some people it's part of baseball you got to be able to back somebody off make them uncomfortable at the dish Acuna does not like it he does not like the ball up he gets hit a lot he gets hit a lot and because the same kind of Pete Alonso you come up and in on him because he's hands high and he dives um but I thought it to me it it set the tone for McGill because he's not afraid. You can't be afraid to throw inside. You can't be afraid to hit a guy, hurt somebody's feelings. Um, so I, I liked it. Yeah, and I mean, even with Peterson, like he hasn't been great, but both of them have been attacking the zone more, which is kind of what they need to do to take the next step to, towards more quality starts and, in general. And he, McGill was throwing the ball hard. Yep. He topped out like I think he was feeling the adrenaline. I agree, bit, you know? but that was good to see because he hasn't had that in yeah. the first month. So that's another positive and this side. Is, game three is kind of a must-win game. Mm-hmm. Like you can't get swept in the first right, like first meeting of these two teams Correct. since the other sweep. So that was very much must-win territory, especially after you know they went down three two. And then how about Francisco Alvarez? First pitch of that at bat. Don't know if you remember. Checks a swing on a slider that missed way out, and I was like, <laughs> like I think this one is that, done. That felt like uh, he was swinging at everything. Like yeah. he did this for the first few. And it wasn't a great pitch by I think Tonklin was his name, but. Also, good on Alvarez for just driving it down the low field line. Took a great swing, looked confident. He looks like a different hitter, and I think, you know, it's been his thing at every level. He takes a couple weeks to figure things out, and now we're after that two-week period. He's starting to hit a little bit more. I think so, too. I think it's trending up. Um, he's learning, and he's he's the guy that doesn't let things come to him. He wants to make it happen, and the big leagues are going to take advantage of that. Um, do you want to talk about the Jeff McNeil slide? We can talk about it. Um, I They're trying to win a game. It's an yeah. important play. You know, you're trying to complete this comeback. I can't say in earnest as a Mets fan, as a non-biased Mets fan, that I believe that to be a clean slide. Okay. Counter. I'm going to. Uh, the term dirty? No. No. Dirty is not the, uh, the correct way to phrase it label it even it wasn't dirty dirty is intentionally trying to hurt someone cleats up Mm. coming in hard and fast trying to take out a knee was it a legal slide uh that's debatable because i don't know if he could reach out and touch the base but he's trying to break up a double play that again is also part of baseball didn't hurt anybody it threw off the throw it did what it was supposed to but he wasn't trying to hurt him he didn't get close to hurting anyone it was just it was a competitive slide. Competitive slide, you know, and this is a sensitive time because you think about Chase Utley sliding into yeah. Ruben Tejada and, and that kind of thing. It wasn't that. It wasn't that. He didn't come in late and take him out just to take him out. He came in, slid, kept his cleats down, and he made him throw it away. So I, I like it. I could I would be upset if I were Atlanta and that didn't get called by the umpires. Sure. Um, but it wasn't dirty. Yeah. So I, that's that's what I want to take away from that. I hate to be a high school baseball coach right here. It's the kind of thing that doesn't show up on the box score, but probably went a long way, especially, you know, if the Mets went, come back and win that game, you know? Absolutely. It was that was uh what you want to see. You want to you want a guy to go out there and put his body on the line and not Potentially try to hurt somebody, which not it didn't. Because so. that, that is a double. Vogelbach's running down the first baseline. That's a double play. Yeah, you know. And instead, that opens the door for another run to score. Mets climb within one. Game might look different if that slide doesn't happen. Correct. So a day later, I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah. And in the moment, I understand the heat. And yeah. I again, I don't know why the umpires didn't call him out. But it should have been a double play. But you know, I'm cool with it. Yeah, me too. So it's a rivalry. There's going to be plays like that. Absolutely. It's just going to happen. Let's let's talk about the lineup a little bit. We talked about Alvarez. We talked about McNeil just now. Had another good series. The real story, though, Brett Beatty, man. (laughs) Brett Beatty. uh, Am I? I'm. I don't want to speak too um, in a hyperbolic fashion. Mm -hmm. But these last two series, Brett Beatty has looked like an answer for this Mets lineup. He has. He looks like an absolute. It feels 
you know, we were playing the Braves. It feels like what the Braves have had for yeah. a few years now. Have a guy that they have touted come up and be that guy. That it's what it feels sustainable. It's not this freak, you know, he's just a power surge, you know, just running into some pitches. He's putting at bats together. He's yeah. playing solid defense. He looks composed. He looks he's ready. He's a big leaguer. He's got a chance to be a great big leaguer. Um and it, this lineup is so much deeper with his ability to to have solid at bats because they actually haven't get it, been getting competitive at bats from a lot of, including Alvarez, yeah, who, who is who is trending as well. But man, Beatty looks looks like him. Let me ask you this: is it is it too soon to suggest that Brett Beatty moves up in the lineup? Yeah, I think so. Okay, um, mainly because. Who who is he going to take? Whose spot is he going to hit behind? Is he going to hit behind Pete? The logical thing is is he ready to just throw him in the five hole? Because I honestly yeah. don't know if that's the case either. But he's, he's shown a lot of pop so far, which is very very exciting because that's exactly what we need. Yeah, I, I don't need I don't need to move him up yet. Okay. I want to see him have that same kind of success in the eight spot. Him in eight nine because it it adds a dynamic and a dimension to the lineup. That compacts and lets Pete have more guys on base and also, that kind of thing. Beatty and Alvarez getting on and sending it to Nimmo is also really good. It Every feels time great. It turns over. Nimmo Absolutely. didn't have a great series, but that sets up well for mm-hmm. when he heats back up again. Uh, do you want to do you want to do some Apple stuff? Should we Should we dive in? Um, you want to talk about Vogelback? We all? should talk about. Well, yeah, before we get to the Apple, I think it, uh, the discourse is is necessary here because you know we've we've rolled with this platoon DH situation throughout. The first month of the season, we're finally seeing less lefties, although we're going to get another one in Detroit. Actually, two more in Detroit. But Vogelback got to play these past two series a decent amount. He's up to an 815 OPS this year. He's at 11 RBI and 14 walks in 50 at-bats, which is great pace over a full season. What is your opinion on Vogelback just in general? Like, what Do you, do you feel confident when you see him taking a bat? Do you like this role that he's filled? Do you want to see him more? Like, I don't understand a lot of Mets fans being upset with Vogelback's performance so far this year. So I'll take that stance first. How people that don't appreciate what he's doing, and yeah. I get it. It's because there is no power production behind Pete Alonso. Yes. And from a DH, people want to see power. So, and he doesn't provide the kind of normal power that you would see a Kyle Schwarber type, a yes. Pete Alonso type. They yep. want a DH to come in and hit homers, a, a, a classic Nelson Cruz, you know, JD Martinez style. And Vogelbeck isn't that guy. He's going to take walks. He's going to strike out looking. Sometimes the strikeout looking is what drives people I think insane, so. yeah. especially with runners in scoring position. They want to swing. They want a DH to want to swing the bat. That's not his game. He is an on base guy that can give you some power. I like it, especially with what ba- Brett Beatty's looking like, the potential of Alvarez. Yeah. I think it allows Vogelback to be more himself and not put pressure on him to always try to drive the ball because it's not in his game. Yeah. So I think he'll his style of play will be better suited as the season goes on, and I really like the production we're getting from him. But I do understand why they're begging for power because they need it, and I just don't think they're they're looking – Barking up the right tree. And I think it's an eye test thing, too. I mm-hmm. think you see, you know, Vogelback running out the double play ball. You know, him getting thrown out at third on that fielder's choice. He only plays against one side of a pitcher's arm. Like, I understand all of the sentiment. But at the end of the day, I know it's a little bit box score watching, but a four a 426 on-base percentage. It's amazing. You don't just find that. You no. don't just randomly find that on your bench. That's a very valuable thing to have in the middle of your lineup. And especially, like you said, if these young guys continue to hit right behind him, because it would be seven, eight, nine in that scenario, that bodes well for offense in the future. I mean, eight runs didn't fall out of nowhere in this in this game, and it wasn't all Pete either, which was really nice. Um, so I hope that he continues to kind of turn over Mets fans a little bit, but he's not going to change who he is. He has one home run at the end of the month, three doubles, which is nice, but he's slugging under four hundred. Yeah, like that's he's not a power guy. That's that's the that's the drawback for him. And when he's on base. He's a he clogs the bases. Yes. He has no speed, yeah. um, and so that's hard. And I get it. I understand, but I do like what he brings because this isn't a home run hitting team. They don't have a an easy answer to replace him. There's not an easy answer to go get either. 
Um, Vientos looks like he might be the right-handed version of that. So if you get one and the other, and if he just, just takes over that spot, that could be it. Well, Eduardo Escobar. We need to talk about it. Go, go ahead. We need, I mean, okay. I don't. I talked to producer Jack before, who is the Yankees fan, and I feel like I'm getting, like the Mets fans are getting a Frenchy Cordero effect a little bit with Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham had a really terrific first two weeks, and then he's been run out there for lefties pretty much ever since, and he doesn't have a hit since April 17th. Meanwhile, on the bench, the forgotten man shunned Eduardo Escobar has not gotten, I think he has one start in the past two series. Since getting benched, he's gone six for 19, two home runs, four extra base hits, five RBI. That's his last six games. He had one at-bat in the series. He had a great at-bat against A.J. Minter, a very good pitcher, <laughs> and he dumped one into left field from he the did. right side. I think this is your answer for a right-handed DH, man. I feel like he's earned the opportunity to be that At answer. At least the chance. I right? agree because I, I think as well, I don't think Tommy Pham has had that sustained success that we saw in the first couple weeks. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like he's a fourth outfielder, but not yeah. a, a right-handed DH. And I, think, I don't think that's what they signed him for either. I think right? Escobar might fit that role a little bit, so give him another chance to be that guy or a, or a guy off the bench. Um because think of the context of the Tommy Pham signing. It was when Darren Ruff was still on the team. Mm-hmm. And before the wrist thing, and he was still going to be the plan at right-handed DH, Pham wasn't signed to be a right-handed DH. And I think that Escobar can fill that role really well, yeah. man. So Vientos, I, think like he, I, think, uh, I think he deserves an opportunity. And if that doesn't work out, Vientos is the guy. Vientos Give him a is chance. slugging 733. Yeah, again, it's triple A. It's different, but he's putting it together, man. Eight homers, nine doubles, and 25 games. I haven't seen any of his at-bats. Um, is he still striking out a ton? So that's the thing. Strikeouts are down right now. Okay. Uh, his strikeout, it's still is he walking at all? 13 walks to 23 strikeouts. Okay. That's something to work okay. with. Last okay. year, he had 122 Ks and 427 plate appearances, so over 25%. Now it's down. Okay. I think that's something they want him to work on. I don't know. I don't know how soon we'll see him. Yeah. I think Mets fans are restarting the baby cycle a little bit with Vientos now. I, there's no place for him except for DH, and if he's not at least the the lefty, you know, answer batting right-handed against lefties, um, then there's no reason to to come up and make him sit on the bench that long. So yeah, and I think I think we're I think it's an injury that would necessitate him coming up. I think it's an injury or one whole extra month of having no right-handed hitting DH yeah. that, that is somebody could fill that spot. So, um, yeah, I don't think we'll see him for a little bit. Apple? Apple time. Apple time. Let's run it. Five good choices, in my opinion. Five good ones. I think it comes down to two or three guys. Um, we have Alonzo here because he's always here. Two for ten with a three-run homer. A couple runs. McNeil had a nice series. Vogue had a nice series, but the kids showed up. The kids had a great series. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this one over to you. All right, uh, I am going with one of the kids. Yeah, and I'm gonna choose. I'm gonna choose Brett Beatty as the apple of my eye. I took him last time. So that's yeah, they both deserved it. Um, but Beatty went four for eleven, two runs, a double, a homer, an RBI. Uh, he's hit safely a nine of 10 starts, including eight in a row. And he leads the Mets in batting average and OPS plus with a minimum of 30 plate appearances. So basically since he's been here, yep. um, his last eight games, he's hitting 423 on base of 464 and a slugging of 731 unsustainable that high, of course. but he's, he's putting it together. Uh, he's had six hard hit balls, including five of at least a hundred miles per hour in that double header. That is a front end back end smash ball. Yep. Um, and that's what you want to see. That's a kind of guy hitting the ball hard like that, that could hit behind Pete Alonso. Um, but for that reason, he is the apple of my eye. It's a short sample size. It's 10 games. It's 40 PAs, but He's hitting lefties, and that is what has me going a little bit. He's hitting both he sides. He looks the part too. He looks the way the part. he's his way he stands in the and against lefties, um, he's unafraid. He's not flinching at breaking balls. He looks the same from against lefties and righties. That's that's 
pretty cool. Three for 10, a homer, and a walk against lefties so far this year. The Mets are going to get two more in Detroit. One of them, Eduardo Rodriguez, who's had a great start to the year. Very curious to see how much Beatty starts. I think he might be another three-start series. Who knows? But Brett Beatty definitely deserves an apple. And you know what? For fun, I'm going to give my apple to Francisco Let's Alvarez. Let's give it to the babies. To the baby. Love it. Alvarez got two starts this series. He goes three for six, a double, and two RBI. Not a huge hitting sample there, but he's hit safely in his last five starts, six of his last seven altogether. He's hitting 353 in his last seven games. And most importantly, he's looking more comfortable behind the dish. Uh, he's had a lot of uh, high-stress scenarios. He's been framing very well. He had to catch the last out, a sky-high pop-up uh, from David Robertson to close out that win, which had me a little nervous. He lie. looks confident, though. He looks confident. The way he stood there, the yep. way he handled it, the way he caught it, he looks good. Yeah, he just he looks like he's getting assimilated into the Mets system. And I, I think it showed up big time with the fact that Nito got one start and he got two mm-hmm. in the series. It wasn't just because of lefties or whatever. He got the start against Morton, and I know it was a doubleheader scenario, too. But I'm hoping that that continues as the trend. I like, I really, really like Tomas Nito as a backup, a defensive specialist who knows the staff and can kind of be sort of a veteran presence for Alvarez. But we're starting to see the offensive production turn over a little bit for Alvarez. It's slow, and the Mets can't, you know, start pushing him up in the order and, you know, throwing that pressure on him. But the swings look better. The at-bats look better. I'm liking what I'm seeing from the troll. The troll. That's his nickname. Uh, that's a that's a terrible nickname. <laughs> it's tough. It's really to tough. me, he looks more Ninja Turtle like with a that big bit. back. Yeah, we had a we were gonna make a Francisco Alvarez shirt. I think it's in the works, and they were like, "Do you want his nickname on there?" And I was like, "His nickname's the Troll." I don't know if yeah, I'm that's put a tough one. The troll but on he shirt. is a f- very good deserving apple of the eye. I love the two babies. The two babies just rock the baby. It's a, it's gonna be a big part of the team this year. Big part. So. And you could see the future. Like that's the that for me was the state of the union, man. Yeah. Like you, you, we have a current contender, and you see the future, and you can see it getting better with with uh, Vientos down there. You got uh, Mauricio still going off, playing everywhere. You forget about that. So where's he playing now? By the way, second base. You want to do a little speculation real quick? I would love to speculate. With so you. he's he's moved from shortstop to second base. He's getting more time at second base. Who plays second base for the New York Mets? Jeff McNeil. Okay, when he's not there, where is he going? Left field. So they're thinking if he continues to play, Jeff McNeil is the regular left fielder. Ronnie Mauricio is up the middle. Yeah. You have Mauricio. You have Beatty. You have Alvarez as the three with Lindor and Alonso. Yeah. That's a future wow. right there. Maybe Vientos I like DH action. I like what you could see there. If if Mauricio can take to second base, if not, let's try him in left field. Maybe back and forth. Him and him and uh, McNeil share the same gloves. And I know that it's. I don't think it's a, a, a soon thing that we should be imagining because you know I think Mauricio needs a little bit more seasoning. Mm-hmm. But you know Mark Canna's not off to a hot start this year. Tommy Pham. Hasn't been great in the past three weeks. It's something that the Mets are pondering, I think, with, you know, Vientos playing some first base and Mauricio getting in pretty much everywhere. They're trying to make these guys as versatile as possible because when the time comes, Buck's going to have a lot of different pieces that he can use in this lineup to make up, you know, a pretty stacked defense, but also a potentially potent lineup, which is really cool. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's small sample size for Canna, but it hasn't been great. Um wasn't great this series. Yeah, it wasn't great this series. And again, these guys are really good pitchers, and yeah. he's it is only one month. It is only let's see. Well, he's got hundred at bats, so he's a, a, a he's sixth. Played. He's played a lot. Yeah. Um, some people come off to a slow start sometimes, but just in case, if he doesn't continue to perform, if someone gets hurt, if somebody can slip up, you want a guy to be able to come up, product or be productive offensively, but be able to be put in some position and not just locked into one. So yeah. the versatility is huge. Um, I'm, I feel like they, it's overdue for him to start using some defensive flexibility. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's exciting. Well, speaking of Mark Canna and kind of a, a weird first month for him, and we're still rooting for Mark. Absolutely. Mark is, Mark's a I'm, a big, I'm a big Canna fan. Mark won us some games last a year. A Canna do. But I'd be lying if I said I wasn't disappointed in Mark Canna's first month. And I wanted to ask you, who is your most surprising 
and disappointing met at the end of the month of April because we're one month in. We can't really make up our minds about anybody yet. Yeah. Yet we have a sample size to work with now. So is that two separate questions? I'm going to let you Most take surprising it. or also most disappointing? I think or it's two separate questions. Two separate questions. But you can okay. spin it. So for me, the most disappointing, and again, this is kind of a, a cop-out and call me out if you want, but my most disappointing month is Verlander. And I won't be calling you out. I, I just don't think it was a huge hole. And it, this was a stress-inducing month for the starting pitchers. Yeah. Um, with Scherzer coming in, not being great at the start, looking like he was returning to form, getting suspended. <laughs> if Verlander was that steady presence, Kodai Senga looked amazing, then didn't. Yep. We don't know what we're going to get from him. Peterson obviously had a chance to just be a guy forever if he locked it in. Uh, he didn't. McGill, shaky. Lucchese in two starts has been the best thing. And yeah. for me, the lack of Justin Verlander being in there, the guy you signed to 43 million dollars for this year um it was disappointing to not see him in there to not make his debut he was pitching at the end of spring training and then misses a whole month it just felt like it was going to be a short il stint and it wasn't um again he he can show up in detroit here and blow everybody away and be vintage for him but again you still don't know what verlander we're going to see the guy that won you know he's still removed from tommy john if he shows up and throws and looks elite again, then it's all gone away. But until that question mark gets answered, um, it was definitely a disappointing month. Yeah, I, I think amplified by the fact that this was just the worst month of a Mets rotation I think I've seen in like five years, you know, even with some of the bad teams that were back there. But yeah, the Mets needed him and he wasn't there. And I think, you know, a similar sentiment for Scherzer, but he made three starts. The suspension, I think, was a whole nother discussion, kind of out of his control a little bit. Uh, for my disappointing player, and then we can lead into something more happier with our surprising player, uh, it, it gets spread around a little bit. Um, I know the lineup, some pieces haven't really clicked. Escobar was a tough first watch, you know, those two weeks, but he's turned around a little bit. Um, and Marte, I feel bad calling him disappointing because he's been injured and, you know, we, we're seeing him steal bases again. So I think I am going to ride with that, that Mark Canna answer. And it's tough because... We saw him be so clutch last year. We saw him take a lot of walks last year. And I haven't seen a similar approach going into this year. And I think I feel like he's putting the pressure of hitting for power on himself maybe too much. And I'm hoping that we can see him get back to where he was last August, where he was taking what seemed like a great at-bat every single time he stepped up to the plate. The power was coming through fluidly. He wasn't trying to force anything. And he was coming up clutch for the Mets in big moments. And he didn't need to be that five hitter, that guy that gave you 20 home runs. I keep thinking back to a quote he said at the beginning of spring training where he said that he wanted to hit 25 home runs this year. And I think it's in his brain somewhere. And I kind of want it to just go. Because <laughs> last year he had 13 and he was a great player. He was one of the most valuable hitters in this lineup. And I think if we can get back to that version of Mark Canna, there's so many pieces in this lineup that makes it so deep. He doesn't need to be that guy. It just needs to be Mark Canna. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that might have been. It was nice to hear that he wants to hit 25 course, home runs yeah. at the time, but now it seems like it may be affecting his approach. This is a, a, a Vogelback kind of situation where you don't have to force your production. Just be yourself. The yep. power will come. Um, I think he was – the power last year didn't come for a long time. Yeah. Um, and I think that was – he was a trust the process, but I think he wanted to force it a little bit this year and, and hopefully gets back to just being the the same kind of Mark Canna we've signed. Yeah. You know, the I Mets mean, put together. We know we've come to know and love. Um, I hope he just returns returns to his form. Yeah, I'm hoping May is a big month for him because uh, we do we have the team option at the end of this year, so there will be some Mark Canna questions to answer, but long way to go before Long that. way to go. So uh, your next one, biggest surprise. Yeah. And, and a positive spin? I'm going positive with mine. I always do. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's what it lends itself to. I'm going to lead off on this one uh, because I think you'll beg to differ from me. I had always expected this guy to come through and be effective for for us this year. But I never expected that David Robertson would be maybe the most important signing the Mets had this past offseason. 13 and a third innings, 18 strikeouts, and a 0.68 ERA, plus he's perfect on save opportunities. He's been everything the Mets needed, and I think Buck has used him beautifully. 
you know, hasn't overused him. And then when he needed him big time in that last game, he got two great innings out of David Robertson, four strikeouts. Um, it's not going to be Edwin Diaz. It'll never be Edwin Diaz. And I think the more good he is, the more I imagine what it would have been like for him to have the eighth and Diaz have the ninth. But how important he's been to the bullpen, I can't even speak to because the Mets bullpen without him would be in a completely different place. And I know they're doing closer by committee and Otto has been great. And Drew Smith, our guy has been great, but it's all amplified by how good David Robertson's been. I love it, man. I think I agree. Uh, to me, it's not surprising this level of effectiveness. Obviously he's not going to be perfect. No, it's, it's, he's not going to be Edwin Diaz, but what he's doing is by design. Like he's not doing anything that he hasn't done his whole career. His cutter looks incredible. His knuckle curve looks amazing. And his fastball still has that zip on it. Yep. So I think it's very sustainable, especially with the way this front office and coaching staff is able to handle pitch load and management and giving guys days off when they need it and deploying them in, in good situations. I, I don't see a reason why this can't be sustaining. Again, out of the bullpen is a volatile position. Right, right. Uh, One but, bad outing. But I think he, he looks great, and I expect him to be great. So, Who surprised you so far? So this is a different different one. So it is surprising. So the, my biggest surprise is Francisco Lindor. Hmm. Interesting. Surprised because he looks really good at the dish. You know, he's got a 108 OPS plus. Okay. He's slugging. He leads the National League or tied for the lead in doubles with yep. 11. Uh, he's had some big clutch hits. But I'm surprised in a sense at how productive he's been with how much swing and miss has been in his back. Yeah. He has struck out at an insane clip. Um, like 10 or 15% higher than his last year. It's come down recently, but it's mm -hmm. still 10% above his career average. So I think I'm most surprised by how well he's played or how well he swung the bat, considering he's swung and missed so much. To me, that is a sign for positivity moving forward because even when it's not going great, he's been great. Like he's product be productive yeah i think the home runs will come um i think his ability to to put the bat back on the ball again is going to be huge so um i was most surprised by how many times i mean he's got 32 strikeouts he's only hitting 215 he hit 270 last year yeah um i he's not he's not slugging great but his power numbers are there he's not slugging great because he's struck out basically anytime he hasn't hit a double yeah um so i think they're they're building for the future he's done it when needed he's been clutch um i think he's he's got he's going to regress back to his norm which is hitting the ball more often so yeah. i think that was my biggest surprise and just how many times i've seen him strike out and I, I like that answer because it's surprising in two facets. I didn't notice this until just now because I'm on his page. He's got 23 hits this year, and 15 of them are extra base hits. So over half. It's a large <laughs> sample. I mean, like, when he's putting the ball in play, he's usually crushing it. And, yep. I mean, you know, you're not going to need him to hit home runs as much if he's got, you know, 11 doubles per month. That's an insane pace. But, yeah, it's the swing and miss, man. And I don't know what it is, whether – I don't think it's pressing. I, I don't think it's trying to kill the ball. I just think – it was a weird month, and I'm, I agree. I'm hoping he'll regress to the mean because he, that's worrisome. It hasn't looked bad, no, you know what I mean. But he really. has just like missed some some balls. He's still playing elite defense, yeah. Um, but his whiff rate is so high. He doesn't. He's not chasing either uh, out of the norm. He's just missing. So I think he's going to stop missing, like he has his whole entire career. Uh, and then he's in for an explosion. Yeah. So I'm excited. And the other interesting is uh, he's batting 215, like he said. The OBP is still at 325. So if that batting average gets <laughs> up to 250, you're looking at a near 400 on base. He's getting his walks. He's getting his his doubles. He's got you know four bags. He's yeah. playing great defense. He just has a lot of swing and miss in his in his uh, his at bats, and it's it's surprised me. Uh, and I think it's going to return. Surprising is definitely the word there. Um, so the Mets open up May. They kind of have, I don't want to say soft. I don't want to say easy because I remember last September. But these next two weeks with Scherzer and Verlander coming back and Beatty and Alvarez heating up could be a good opportunity 
to maybe get a little fat. This is what you want to do. You want to beat teams that are worse than you. That's and right. a lot of these teams they're about to face are not as good as the New York Mets, at least shouldn't be. And the first one on deck is the guys uh, that uh, used to be old stomping grounds for two head honchos, Scherzer mm-hmm. and Verlander. Are, I hope we do get to see Scherzer because it's not supposed to be pretty weather today yeah, in Detroit. Today is Lucchese, so I think he'll get pushed, if anything. Yeah, but... He still yeah. has to have 10 games Shit. suspended. I forgot about that. That's so annoying. <laughs> I know this suspension keeps coming back. Uh, so he, he has to sit out 10 full games before yeah. he can come. So that might push him back. I'll let you do some scurrying. But um, before we get to our oh, you know, Tigers, yeah, I'd like to talk to you about uh, Lightbox. Are you looking for gifting help this Mother's Day? I need a ring on this finger. Let Lightbox lab-grown diamonds do all the work <laughs> for you. Lightbox makes lab-grown diamonds you'll love with pricings you'll understand. From sparkling studs to brilliant necklaces, these gems will make your jaw drop. That's a fact. Whether it's for mom or your spouse, getting her a stunning stone from Lightbox lab-grown diamonds is a guaranteed W. Hell yeah. So this year, skip the socks. Definitely don't get socks. That's uh, a recipe for... Come on. <laughs> Instead, become MVP of Mother's Day with a gift she'll never forget. Use promo code SHAYSTATION10 for 10% off your purchase. SHAYSTATION10. SHAYSTATION right there. I'm pointing to it. There you go. Perfect. Um, yeah. Lots to love in this Mets upcoming schedule. Lots to love on Mother's Day. Get your, lots get, of lots to love in general. Lots to love. So why don't you spend a little bit of dough on something you love? Um, upcoming against the Detroit Tigers, three matchups I like. Three matchups I'm I'm excited about. The Mets haven't been to Comerica Park since 2016. Beautiful ballpark. They yeah. moved in the fences. They needed to. Yep, yep. It's a fun <laughs> ballpark. My closest one. So I guess my home. That's where I fly oh. in and out of. That's my home airport. Yeah. A um, lot of Tigers fans around me. Tigers, a lot of Guardians and Reds, but a lot of Mets fans in the Blevins family. Hell so yeah, like that. You want to do these matchups? Yeah, who's facing off? Oh, I love it. to do it. Game one, the ace of the New York Mets, <laughs> Joey Lucchese, who's 1-0 with a 2.19 ERA. He'll be facing off against former Red J- Michael Lorenzen. Mm. Uh, he's 0-1 with a 7.07 ERA. Not pretty to start the year, as is their record. Uh, Javi Baez, who's not hitting very well, but when he faces Joey Lucchese in the past, he's been <laughs> great. 5-7 for seven with two home runs. Starling Marte against Michael Lorenzen is also very good. 6-17 for 17 with a homer. That is game one. Game number two, the not ace of the New York Mets. Maybe he's going to take his reign back. Max Scherzer taking the hill if all things go accordingly. Yeah. He'll, he's 2-1 <laughs> and one with a 3.72 ERA. After that suspension, he'll be going up against Joey Wentz, who's 0-3 and, and a 6-4-5. I don't know who that is. Carson Wentz's brother. Sure is. <laughs> Javi Baez in his career against Max Scherzer, 1-12. for 12. Jonathan Scope, he's 2-17. for 17. Tough. Yeah, Max Scherzer, there's a lot of those in his career. <laughs> Max Scherzer pitches for the first time since April 19th. That is a long time. Fingers crossed. Hopefully. Uh, that is game two. Game number three, maybe the ace of the New York Mets if he takes over, if Max doesn't, if Lucchese takes a step back. Who knows? <laughs> the $43 million man himself, Justin Verlander, looking to make his debut in a New York Mets uniform, going to his original team in Detroit should be very comfortable on that mound uh he'll be facing off against Eduardo Rodriguez the lefty it's two and two with a 2.21 ERA a lot of twos good change up he's a solid pitcher yep uh Mets continue to streak against facing many left-handed pitchers with Wentz and Erod Jonathan Scope in his career off Verlander five for 21 with three bombs Tommy Pham against uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is 4 for 14. Mark Canna is 0 for 13. That is game three. That is your three-game set in Detroit if all things work out. Please don't rain. Too much rain. It's a lot of rain. I just want to see Max Scherzer pitch. I do as well. I want to see what we get. I want Verlander to make his debut, Mm. get it out of the way, and I'm excited to see Joey Lucchese pitch. I was going to say, when you kept saying, you know, the ace of the Mets, I just picture these three fighting for the crown. (laughs) You're the Game of Thrones chair. Joey Lucchese, man. I mean, look, he looked better than his final line against the Nats. He did. He pitched great. He tried to go a little bit, and and Tommy Hunter had his – uh, uh, his worst outing as a uh, of the year. Yep. Um, he's pitched great, by the way. Uh, but Lucchese's 
looked amazing. And this is a Tigers lineup full of names that I mostly have never heard. Um, they have the young guys. They have Riley Green and Torkelson, the guys that should be the future. But it's kind of the same old story in Tigers land. They got three guys that are above league average. Everybody else is well below, including our guy Javier Baez, rocking a 65 OPS plus, which is not so good. That's not good. Mets pitching need to have a series. They need to get six innings from their starters. And they need the bullpen to shut it down. This should be a series where you don't need to put up eight to try and win a game. Hopefully the Mets can cruise against the Tigers. Right now, they're 6-4 and four against below 500 teams, 10-9 and nine against winning teams. Hopefully that trend continues. Um, and hopefully we see Scherzer and Verlander because I'm sick of not seeing them. And Jerry's... Is that listening mine? To, listening There's to an ad. I'm on, I'm on the uh, baseball ref. And you and an your ad ads. Out. You and your ads. You I, love sus- ads. I even subscribed to ref. My bad. That's very <laughs> unprofessional. Yeah, the uh, Tigers lineup only have two guys uh, above the 100 OPS. Tough. That's Jake Rogers, their catcher, and that's Matt Veerling, who we've known, who we've we faced. Know. Yeah, uh, he's at 109. Uh, they do have Zach Mc, Mc, McKintry, Kinstry, Kinstry, former McKinstry, Dodger, former Dodger. He's yeah. uh, you know, he's he's over a hundred, but these are these are not formidable hitters. No. You know, you have Miguel Cabrera, who's first ballot Hall of Famer. He's forty. His OPS plus is thirty-seven. This tough. is a this is a tough you know send off for him. Uh, but they're you know Javi Baez. Thank goodness the Mets didn't sign him because that's not the the player that they thought they might be getting. Yeah. Um, he's not hitting for any power. He's slugging 289. I don't know what's going He doesn't have a home run this year, by the way. It's uh, wild. In 25 games, which is definitely concerning. Yep. I think his opt-out is after this year of his contract. I don't think he'll be making I don't opt-out. think he'll be taking an opt-out, uh, considering what the price tag is, but also maybe he wants to get out of Detroit. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Um, this sh- should be a series win. Yeah. Um, we don't like to say this should be a sweep, but... Also this is the A's. This is the, the same kind of it's approach. Kind of you want to take two out of three, you should take three out of three, but two out of three is a series win. Yeah. And I think that's really all you can say. That's it. I think that's really all we can say for this episode of Shea Station. Hell of an episode. I, I like say. being in the main studio. I feel like a boss here. I feel I tell more you. important. All right. That's it, I think. Until let's then, go Mets. let's go Mets. Who knows when we'll see you. There's probably going to be a rain out, maybe two. It's it's Jolly's fault if you heard that. He jinxed it. Let Max Scherzer pitch. Free him. <laughs> Free Max Scherzer. And let the babies play. Let's go Mets. I want to see the baby.